everybody. You're listening to The Big Chill Podcast. This is episode 339, La Fish and Chips. to the Big Chill Podcast. I'm Frank, joined as always with Sam and Eddie. Big news that I'm sure by the time you're listening to this, you have definitely heard. OBJ has landed in LA, but not for the Chargers, for the Rams. Thoughts? I'm, I think from his perspective, it's a good landing spot in that, in terms of trying to salvage his reputation, of all the teams he could have gone to, this is the most likely option for him where he could win a Super Bowl. And this season and his career in general looks really, really different if he ends up winning a Super Bowl. And you also always give him the possibility that he has a sort of iconic playoff or Super Bowl catch. I mean, part of the knock on him is that he's only has one playoff appearance. That was, of course, that sort of ill-fated appearance in green bay after the giants receivers went down to florida and took that weird picture the miami of the trip yeah <laughs> so it makes sense i can see why he chose that as the plate plus uh, odell beckham jr living in la i know he already has a house there but it, it makes sense as a place for him to live yeah i mean that so if you ask me does it make sense for OBJ, it absolutely does because he is someone who loves and lives for the spotlight. And now being able to be in LA with his best pal, LeBron James, who was rooting for him to get out of Cleveland, you know, he can go to all the fancy nightclubs and restaurants and everyone will recognize him and he's going to love his life again. That part I completely see. The part that makes me now worried if I'm a Rams supporter or even a player is that he's going to be getting that attention off the field and think he's the OBJ that he is that's the greatest receiver of all time and expect that type of attention on the field and I, I, I'm going to be honest I mean I don't know if he's even close to the player he was like no one still seems to talk about the fact that he's gone through multiple injuries and multiple surgeries well, we have and maybe he's just not that but you still hear people saying like oh this, no, this know, is but, like when Randy Moss we went to the Patriots we yeah have, we have you're right we have I know, but, but when we were like, like, no one has. We've had, we've had several <laughs> okay. conversations about it. So it's not like some revelation you've suddenly come to. But, but, but the vast majority, you know, has called this like, oh, well, look at when Randy Moss went to the Patriots and everyone thought at 30 his career was done and this and that. I've not but seen many Randy before, Moss comparisons. Oh, I have seen a lot. That's all they've talked seen... about on NFL Network. But the difference know, but is, is those years before. the radio shows. NFL Network? <laughs> no, I know, but just in general, it's like sports talk radio you listen to. It's such garbage. So is it so do you think it's a good addition for the Rams or a distraction for the Rams? Well to be decided. Finishing what I was thinking, I, I think it's a distraction because he's gonna want that attention that he's getting because he thinks he's the player he is. And I think it's I, I don't think it's good for the Rams. I guess in the sense that if he does start to become a distraction, they can just cut him again because they have nothing invested in him. They really don't care. But I, you have a team that, I mean, for the most part, has had a really productive offensive season. And I don't know why you'd want to put in someone who clearly infects other teams and other quarterbacks and risk that potential of upsetting your 
the gel that you formed with your offense. The reason I'll disagree with you is that I think in every, I mean, he's only been in, on two previous teams. He's always shown that in the past for a period of time, he can embrace the team ethos. He did it with the Giants. He even did it in that first year or two with the with the the Browns. And I think you probably, if you're the Rams, you might have sat down with him and said, "Hey, look what happened last week. You you left. You get cut by the Browns. They and go and have arguably their best offensive performance of the season. And everyone talked about how they're just better without you. So we'll sign you, but you need to understand that the only way you win." what you've just gone through is if you now come to Rams, come to Rams, come to the Rams and you are just the perfect teammate. And if he now goes and settles in and he's happy being the fifth choice option in that offense, which basically is kind of what he is. He should he's just a fourth be, receiver. Yeah. So fifth choice option for, for their offense, basically behind obviously with a running game as you know, the other thing, but their tight end is good to too. Sure. Uh, okay. I can't think of if you want to put him sixth, but yeah, but I think for him it does give him this opportunity for him to prove a point by going here that he his ego isn't the thing that drives him. So I think he's smart, and I think he will have this will be a little bit of a calculated decision on his part, and he'll have decided that now it really gets to pit him against the Browns. And he gets to put the blame on the Browns and on Baker Mayfield rather than it being, oh, well, Odell Beckham Jr. was just too difficult to work with and always wanted the ball. See, now, I, I agree with you on that will be his initial mentality. I, I am fully on board. My issue is how long does that last and his emotions don't override it? Well, can it, the question you, is... Frank, the question is, can it last 12 weeks or 13 no, weeks? No, I, I don't – that's what I – can it last two weeks? Can it last two uh, weeks of him getting on the field? Honestly, I'm being serious. Does it last for him getting on the field 25% of the snaps and maybe getting targeted three well, to four Well, that's never going to happen. That's never – he's going to be on the field more than But he's the fourth 25%. receiver. How is he going to get on You're, the field more than that? You think he's the fourth receiver. Sean McVay They've already stated. the fourth receiver. Because oh, they got to stay that at first. Because they can't. Who's he going to replace? He's not better than Robert Woods is right now. Let's see what happens when he's in that offense. Let's see. But I mean, Sean McVay is not going to say, "Hey, look, Odell Beckham Jr. suddenly is being way more productive than a couple of the other guys, and we're going to keep him off the field." Because before he signed, I made the statement that he was the fourth receiver, and I and I'm going to we're going to stick to my word on that one. But look, he's not going to be only on the field twenty five percent of the time. I mean, that's crazy. I don't, I mean, I don't see him on the field all the time. No, I think I mean, he's, no I think he's rotating the in time. with the third receiver. He'll be on the field, I'd say 50% of the time. Which is enough. In, in that offense, that's enough to be really productive. But the question is, will he be on the field for big plays? That's where his ego might step in. Will he I'm, be on the field for the final drive and you have third and 10 and he's not on the field? That's where his ego might come in. Or is he not on the field when it's, you know, second and goal with seven seconds left and they need a touchdown to win the game? That's when his ego might come in. I don't think he'll care too much if he's not on the field for second and seven from your own 28. 
Speaking of one-year deals, did you both see about Cam Newton returning to the Panthers as well? What was that? One-year, ten million deal. That's I mean, so now weird. it's a bit more. It's a bit more clear-cut why. But is it? Well, it's the is injury, it? isn't it? Well, it's Donald's injury, right? They're just I saying know, like but... they came out and said like they're not looking to the future. It's just we got to get him here. But what's the point? They're they're not good. They're not going to make the playoffs. What's the point in just bringing in someone? You run the risk that he comes in and does all right, and then you're just creating a problem for yourself in the future. I don't get it. Just embrace being bad. Just have whatever crappy backup you can get a hold of. Play. Well, is, isn't that what they're doing? <laughs> Maybe, but they're, it's a high-profile crappy backup. You know, like there's plenty of guys out there who don't create any possible problems for you. I think maybe this is just, I, I think it's what you're saying it is. I think they're just using this to buy time to eventually get a franchise quarterback, but you bring in someone who has some pull, maybe in Carolina, will pull some fans back out to go see Cam again. Maybe you'll get a Cam from five years ago. You get to go watch a great performance, but ultimately, you know, they're not going to succeed and in two years next year they'll draft a franchise qb and and move on you know but you're right it's a little too much money but i think it's just i think they're just doing it to maybe get some more fans interested and bring back someone who they probably all admired back in the day i don't know if that's an an issue there do they have an issue with attendances in carolina i would i'm not saying that you're wrong but it's it's, it's, As far as I'm aware, they've not had some. It's not Tampa Bay or something where when they're bad, there no one turns up. I, yeah, I've, I don't know. Whenever I've seen a Carolina game, it seems like there's people there. So I don't know. It just seems like a weird move. But yeah, I don't know. It makes Carolina games mildly more interesting from a neutral's perspective. But now, does your rule does your rule still apply, Eddie? Which rule are we talking about? I've got quite your a few. Carolina Panthers betting rule. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. I still won't touch them. Cam or no Cam? Christian McCa- Cam or no Cam. It's Christian McCaffrey or no Christian McCaffrey, and that's it. If he's not involved, they're losing. You're a Christian boy at heart. <laughs> sure. But before we move on to our picks, you know, every once in a while we, we delve into the world of Soup Juice, our, our alternate podcast where we just talk about food. We've spent some time in the past, well, quite a significant amount of time, talking about new fast food items, in particular, occasionally talking about new fast food items from McDonald's. I mean, obviously, I tried out their Olympic menu when that was going on. They've come out with a new item in Paris, as which is far, well, France, which is, f- as far as I'm aware, I've never seen existed in McDonald's anywhere else. So Sam, you and I might get to chase this some point over the next few days. McDonald's here is now serving fish and chips. No way. Yeah. Oh, that is so risky. Now, when Wait, we say is, this. Yeah. Hmm. Is there any adaptation to just having like a filet fish and some chips? <laughs> or is there so actually... The chips, and so is it still even just chips? Mc, or is no, it it's just still McDonald's. Fries? It's just McDonald's french fries. Okay. And then the fish is like fried fish balls. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the. It's a very unattractive sentence. They they've basically made fish nuggets with fries, oh. and it's their fish and chips. And then they're serving it in a cone that they then oh. tried to make the design, the sort of graphic design on the outside of the cone is newspaper esque. 
So I was say, they are yeah. going, they're going for that kind of vibe, uh, but it's in a cone. So you buy it, it gets stuck into this triangular cone shaped object. And then on top of it, it has a little, <laughs> like he's never like... seen a shape before can you uh describe this in the most unappealing way possible yeah well there's, they there's, shove there's, it there's, into some cone-shaped structure <laughs> well there's a, there's another part of the aspect here so in in addition to that there's a kind of flap that comes off of the cone and that's where you put your what i assume is going to be something approaching tartar sauce but it would also amaze me if McDonald's have tartar sauce specifically just for this. I mean, it's not a condiment that they carry under normal circumstances. So whatever variation they are then giving you to go along with this, but it's cheap. It's only four seventy five, I think. So it's more of a snack item than it is a full meal. But uh, it's something that we all will have to give a try and see. I doubt it's bad. I doubt it's good. But I doubt it's bad. Yeah, I think I think probably the good word for it is fine. Like when you eat it, you'll have absolutely no problem with it. I mean, cod bites are a thing, right? I, I doubt they're using cod, <laughs> but they certainly are a thing at fish and chip places. So they're not. I, I didn't expect like a giant fill, fillet of cod or something like that. It wasn't going to be that incredible. Sam, See, now what's, ever... what's really strange, Eddie, is if I search McDonald's fish and chips. I'm seeing pictures of legitimate fillet of fish. But Where this is from? from two years ago. It looks like in Canada. So they had an attempt at making actual fish and chips. Sorry, I that didn't must... stay up to date on the Canadian McDonald's <laughs> menu. <laughs> two years ago. No, no, but it, Sorry. It, it's just... It just makes me think that they must have tried to make legitimate fish and chips and it failed but miserably. But are you sure this is real? So, yes. Like, are you... The first thing I've seen is exactly what Eddie has found in McDonald's France. It actually looks better. The The kind of side bit for the dip or sauce or whatever is pretty good idea. It doesn't look bad. Is there demand for it at McDonald's? Like, I I don't know. Like, surely they do this on, like, demand and people saying, like, you know what I really want here? A British staple. <laughs> like, well, I guess... It, Really, this would be the kind of it's a it, it it should basically be a children's menu item. They're basically just serving you fish fingers in a different format. So it's basically, and look, I'm not someone who ever gets any fish products from McDonald's. I've never had a fillet of fish. Actually, the only time I've had the fillet of fish was the uh, the Olympic menu, the wasabi fillet of fish. That's the only time I've ever had one. But I, I could see why. If you took your kid to McDonald's and they liked fish fingers, this would just be the thing you got them. Four seventy five. It's kind of a snack size thing. It makes sense. I'm just always weary of fish from a fast food place, and I don't know if there's any reason to think it's any worse than getting burgers or chicken from a fast food no. place. But just something <laughs> no. about I, I know, but you know what I mean. It's because you always think of fish being super fresh. Whereas, you know, I don't think of, like, when I think of good fish, it's like, oh, right off the boat. I don't think of when I think of a good burger, like, right off the farm, slaughtered it last night. You know, you don't hear people say that. <laughs> but do you get fish where you live? Mm, we get sushi sometimes. That's about it. 
So where do you think that's coming from? (laughs) (laughs) I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, that's not coming from. (laughs) No, I I get you grew up in, you grew up in New Jersey. So the concept of fish fresh off the boat would have been something that actually was consistent throughout your childhood. It's same for you, Sam, although Sam doesn't really eat fish, (laughs) but (laughs) that's, I mean, the good news, there's an item at McDonald's that you can still eat, even though you only eat one type of fish, it falls into the category that you'll actually have. Sam kind of has the. Is there is there a joke here? I don't. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Am I missing no, he something? Legitimately, no, no. He I legitimately only doesn't eat fish. I only eat white fish. Well, like white meat fish. I don't eat like shellfish or anything like that. Why did you specify white meat fish? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I didn't know whether. I didn't, why is that? Do you think you were like racially profiling your fish? <laughs> I don't want to offend anyone, so I covered all the how, bases. How white were the scales of this salmon? I just need to know. Ah, quite good with the scales. Yeah, that's good. Um, no, just things like cod, halibut, all that kind of so, stuff. Right. I don't like tuna. Tuna's awful. I mean, it is. You can say you don't like tuna, but you can't say tuna's <laughs> awful. To me, it's awful. And I'm allowed no, to you say can just that. Say, no, you can just say you don't like it. I Sam, actually do you, bothers do you when, feel when, tuna's awful? <laughs> yeah. It, what do you mean? Like, as in, like, I'm resenting the fish itself or, like, the taste or feel of the fish. No, I was just hoping Eddie would play the soundbite. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> It's not on the buzzer. He's not on the buzzer till the uh, the picks come in. No, I just I just don't like it. I don't like the. Um, I used to have this thing where I don't like something that looks like what it was when it was killed. You know, like a lobster served looks identical, a crab or a shrimp well, or something looks, like that. Just, just for context, Sam, lobster only looks identical if you still have it in the shell. If you yeah. take lobster meat out. It doesn't look like a lobster still. Wait, like, okay, and for that matter, is... wait, wait, I want to skip this real quick. Because for that matter, I've never eaten a piece of tuna and thought, holy shit, that looks like a tuna fish. <laughs> but I'm not saying that I'm not eating tuna because it looks like it, because that would be an incredible plate. I'm just saying I don't like tuna. Yeah. No, you have the palate of a five-year-old. So what's the go-to then for fish and chips? Halibut or cod? Oh, cod. He's irresponsible in his food choices. Doesn't care about sustainability of products that he eats. Absolutely not. Oh, I've missed the good fish and chips. I I loved that one we went to that was across from the TV station that time. I don't know if you remember that. The, I forget what the station the was. Channel f- near Channel 4's. London yeah. station. Yeah. That was a good fish and chip place we went to. And we got tons good. of it. Remember we brought it home and we just covered the entire table with just newspaper full of fried fish. It was so good. That does sound delightful. <laughs> <laughs> oh, a Next table year. covered. Right. On that note, should we move on to our NFL picks of the week? And I guess yeah. before we do, I'll do my usual duty and update everyone on how we were doing. I have to admit that, not surprisingly, I picked up on a slight admin error in the in the counting when I was totaling up the total totaling up the totals this week. So, if Frank, I'd actually done you a disservice. You're slightly better off against the spread than you. <laughs> Really? I thought you were. <laughs> really? Yeah, no, you are. 
Yeah, you're... So last week, unsurprisingly, was not a good week for any of us. It was a week of upsets. No. And Tough week. it wasn't disastrous, but it wasn't good. So mm. uh, I, I would say, my, my betting account would say it was disastrous. <laughs> well, we're not talking about your betting account right now. <laughs> but Moneyline, I was 9-5, and five, and both of you were 8-6. and six. So that's not terrible given mm. the number of upsets that there were. It's okay. So that means overall I'm 89-47. and 47. Sam, you are 87 and 49, and Frank, you are 85 and 51. Against the spread, Sam actually had the best week. He went seven and seven. I had the second best week. I went six and eight. And Frank, you went five and nine. Ah, my worst week. Yeah, it means that overall, though, you're still 76, 59 and one against the spread. Sam is 70, 65 and one, and I am 68, 67 and one. So. We're still all over all 500, yeah. which, you know, I think over halfway through the season, well, exactly halfway through the season now, um, I guess not technically in terms of number of games played with how the buys work out, but, you know, it's, it's pretty good after a week in which there were a lot of upsets. I take it. People are winning off us. So, fundamentally. Yeah, so currently... The, I guess, biggest stat betting-wise overall is that after last week, home team favorites are 33-50 and 50 against the spread, which is a pretty poor record. And straight up, home teams are 65-70, and 70, which I don't know if you remember last year, there was a big argument because home teams actually had a losing record. And people were saying it was because there's no fans. There's obviously no fans in the stadiums, but it seems as if that it might not be have anything to do with the fans. That might just be the current trend of of the NFL because even with fans, they still have a losing record straight up home teams. I do feel like over the past like three weeks, though, home teams have had some pretty big spreads like the Texans, the Dolphins, the Jags, the Jets. They've all been on the road and played teams that are like the Bills. You know, I've seen a lot of like 14-point favorites, 16-point favorites, 12-point favorites, even with like the Colts. Keep saying numbers, Sam. I will. I'll just keep talking until I sound like I know what I'm on about. (laughs) Have you seen any nine-point favorites? That's what I really want to know. It would be amazing (laughs) if he hit each one of those spreads perfectly. (laughs) That would have been been impressive, but just randomly throwing out numbers bigger than seven is not impressive. (laughs) But I mean, hey, good news. There are several teams favored by... Eight points or more this week so we'll see some of them are home teams some of them are road teams so if they all do well that statistic actually kind of won't be improved and one of them straight up is on the thursday night game so it's the ravens at the dolphins and the ravens are eight and a half point favorites and this is my survivor pick for the week i've gone whoa early. whoa what? you abandoned your sound bites so quickly <laughs> well, I abandoned that soundbite. I don't have, I mean, I, I, the drum roll, I need a better soundbite. We already had one soundbite suggestion come in from a listener that is going to be incorporated for one of the other games this week. Mm. But I need to, if listeners want to suggest something, and again, if you want to do so, follow us on Twitter, the Big Chill, search for the Big Chill Podcast. Follow us on Instagram, again, search for the Big Chill Podcast. And you can make your suggestions as to soundbites that we should incorporate. But no, I need something better than the drum roll for the Survivor Pick of the Week. Now, let's also be, 
this might be the last time I have a survivor pick of the week. So the lifespan on whatever soundbite I do pick might be short lived. But yeah, I think the Ravens, this is a good matchup for them in terms of their weaknesses in the secondary. And the Miami Dolphins have a severe lack of depth at wide receiver. So they're not really in a position to test the Ravens where they are weakest. And you just look at Lamar Jackson has been so consistent this year and just a a number of all-purpose yards he's going to be able to put up in this game. And then you look at the Dolphins last week. Okay, they got the win, but it wasn't an impressive one against the Texans, who are arguably the worst team in the league. So you don't really see why they're suddenly going to come up with a, a really good performance here. I am slightly concerned by the size of the spread just because the Dolphins have actually kept most games close, even when they've lost, which has been most weeks. But this is also Lamar Jackson returning home, so not that I think that really matters, but you know he'll have family and friends in attendance and probably be intent on putting on a bit of a show. So I'll take the Ravens to win and the Ravens to cover. Yeah, for me, I I saw something that maybe two or uh, Brissett's going to be playing in this one. I I didn't know which of them will be starting, but either way, it doesn't matter. I just don't think the Dolphins are a very. Good I think team. it's I think it's Jacoby Brissett. I oh, think Brissett is, is going to start. I, I still think the Ravens will win this pretty handily. You, you feel like with the Dolphins, they they kind of got their win against the Texans. That's kind of their win of the month of sorts. So. I, I'm going to go with the Ravens and cover. I think that's all. They'll win it quite Wait, handily. why did you? Oh, shit. You said you had a feeling there. That's so disappointing. Did I? You are I don't even know I did. I didn't even know I'm I did. I'm actually a little, I'm a little sick, and I'm just not maybe running at full speed this week. I've got a bit of a cold, and uh, I'm definitely not. I'm probably at, I'm at 60 or 70% right now, which is disappointing. Also, the first time I've been sick in a really long time. So obviously with interacting with people more now than have done maybe over the past two years so it's the first time just having a cold in a while and you know, it's not a good feeling not feeling you know, great not not to try and overstate oh, the significance oh, no. of a cold on the back end of a global pandemic during which a lot of people have died but you know feeling under the weather again for the first time in a long time not great I was going to say there is a virus going around I don't know if you're aware of it that you might want to you might want to look out for when you're interacting with people yeah, they do also have tests for that, though, Sam. It's pretty, incra- pretty crazy. <laughs> well, I'm a COVID denier, so I don't really look up for the kind That's of true. stuff that and can help. Anti-vaxxer. So you got t- you, you tested already? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it came positive? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I've, I've made sure just to spit on as many people as possible. Eddie, my question to you was, do you, f- do you feel a little bad taking the Dolphins last week and supporting them and and pushing for a win and then turning around the next week and hoping all hell that they lose. <laughs> no, I think the nature of the survivor, it's, it's ruthless. You know, it's <laughs> each man or woman for themselves. And, you know, there's no, there's no room for sentiment. You can only take a team once. And once they're, when you've, once you've taken them, they're out of your lives. They're, they're dead to you. Time to move on. I've, I've got the Bill <laughs> Belichick. I've got the Bill Belichick mentality. You know, it's onto the Bengals. That's that's just what I say to myself each week. Yeah, I, I'm with both of you. I I think the Ravens will win this. Um, look, the Dolphins did win, but like Eddie said, it was ugly, and they have kept it close in their losses 
for the three games before that. But I think, you know, the Ravens have playing really well, minus that blip against the Bengals. And I think now they really need to start putting it together because we've talked about how uh, in the last podcast, how wide open this division is. And I think this is a great game for them to say, let's get our offense going. Let's get it clicking. So that way, when we start playing, you know, the Browns and, and everyone else, the Steelers in the division again, we're ready to go. So I think this could be a great warm up game for them that they're going to come out and try and put it together for four quarters and put up a solid performance. So I'm going to go Ravens to win Ravens to cover. All right. Next up is the uh, Falcons at the Cowboys and the uh, Cowboys are nine point favorites. I mean, I would have said that the Cowboys are much better than the Falcons last week may have made them only a little bit better. Is this too much of a correction on the line or is this line about fair? This seems like a big line to me just because the Cowboys were so bad last week. Now I've got my one of my many rules, right? Which is always take a good team after a loss. I still think the Cowboys are in the good team category. So I'm definitely taking the money line. And I think I'm going to take them against the spread just because I do feel as if this could be a big reaction for them from such a disappointing performance and them really trying to right the ship. And their defense is good and their offense when it works is explosive. But I mean, this Falcons team can score points and when things work for them, their offense is, is pretty good too. So nine points seems like a lot. So there's no good reason for me to really be taking the Cowboys minus nine, but just on the basis of them coming off a loss, I'm going to do it. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think the Cowboys are the better team here. I think the Cowboys will win this game, but for me, that spread is too much. Matt Ryan started off the year pretty slow, but you know, like, like you pointed out, their offense has come together. Um, so in the last six weeks, he's thrown for 1,700 yards, 13 TDs, and three interceptions. So that's a really good stretch of games. He's played really well. He's find, finally starting to find Kyle Pitts. He's getting more active. So I think they're going to keep it close, and they have kept it close in most of their games. I mean, look, they beat the Saints, which is a good team. Um, lost to Carolina, but then, you know, beat, beat the Jets, beat the Dolphins. So on the other side, the Cowboys lately haven't been blowing out teams minus the Giants. And again, the, nine's a lot. That's a lot of points for a team like the Falcons that can put up 25. You know, you're going to have to score 40 to, to, to be comfortable. So I don't think that's going to happen. So I'll take the Falcons to cover. Yeah, I was pretty torn on that line because it's really a case of uh, the the Cowboys had the kind of number one offense at one point. They can do it. And I'm a little bit torn on it, but I think I think I'm going to take the Cowboys into cover. I I just think they can be they can be way more better than well, it can't be any worse than they were last time out. So I think they'll be a lot better. So um, yeah, I'll take the Cowboys to win and cover. Next up is the Bills, even though I've written them as the Bulls on our thing, um, at the Jets, and the Bills are 12-point favorites. Can you trust a 12-point line against a team that scored six last time out against the Jags? I'm going to trust it. I think they could have not asked. They, they could have not asked. They could not have asked for a better game coming off that disappointing performance. This feels like the perfect opportunity for them to get their offense going again. You know their defense is good. Obviously, the, the issue here is you've got Mike White back at quarterback for the Jets. Is he going to put in another Hall of Fame-worthy performance? By that, I mean he's actually already in the Hall of Fame on the basis of his 
one start in the NFL, which is kind of crazy. But I, yeah, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take the Bills to win, and I, I'll take the Bills to cover. And I just think this is the Bills going back to looking like the team that they were, and the Jets going back, you know. But they are who we thought they were. And I'm gonna take the Bills. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Bills to win and the Bills to cover. Yes, they put up six against the Jags, but they also held them to nine and dominated that that game from a defensive standpoint. So their defense is still looking solid. Therefore, I don't expect the Jets to score many points, and I think this offense will have had a hard week, really put in the time, know that they need to start scoring and getting back to that 30 plus a game that they were scoring before these last two games. And I think they're going to, I think they will go back to it. And I, I think this is a fair spread and I'll take the bills to cover. Yeah. I don't think there's much to add. I'll take the bills and to cover. I can see why it's enticing though, to take the jets with that kind of points margin considering the last two games, but nah, I, I think there's going to be some retribution at some point from the bills for those two games. And I think this is a good game for it. So yeah, bills to win and to cover. Uh, interesting matchup next. Browns are the Patriots, and the Patriots are two and a half point favorites. Lack of OBJ. Browns looking good offensively last time out. Tough line. I'll I'll start this one. For me, this is the start of the downfall of the New England Patriots and the end of their playoff hopes. I think this is a big disservice to the Browns that they are the underdogs here. They are a better team on paper, and they're going to be a better team on the field. I think the Browns will win, and I wouldn't be surprised if they win by eight, nine points. Yeah, I'll be quick. I kind of agree with you. I think they're just the better team pretty much everywhere. There's always the fear here, right, is that Belichick against teams he has connections to, former connections to, always seems to come out on top. But, yeah, I think... The the Browns are getting healthier every week, and obviously they looked very good last week. It is one of those ones where you have big plays go in your favor, like uh, you know, huge a ninety plus yard pick six, and that really changes the momentum within a game. But yeah, I think I disagree with you, Frank, on that. I don't think this is when the wheels come off for the Patriots and their playoff hopes crumble. But as I think they're going to make the playoffs, but I do think that they lose this game. So I'm taking the Browns and the Browns to cover the spread. And yeah. as a side note, I really hope Miles Garrett destroys Jones this game as a little defensive end payback for Mac Jones trying to injure a fellow defensive end last week against the Panthers. <laughs> Did he, though? I feel like that was a yes. storm in a teacup. That uh, he clearly twisted his leg. I think he grabbed his leg. I don't know if he twisted. I mean, I, I, it twisted. I think he just grabbed a leg. And his explanation, which I think made sense, is he was unsure whether or not the player had the ball or was at least going for a loose ball. And he did the thing that you should do, which is grab a player's leg and hold on for dear life. So, I mean, people would have been doing the opposite if that if he had had the ball. And again, like, why didn't Mac Jones just let him step over him and run in for a pick six or, you know, a fumble, fumble return six? And you would have been like, oh, I, I don't know. Just didn't want to grab him? Uh, I mean, yeah, this is going to have big ramifications for the 
the AFC. But the interesting thing is like the Browns average, I think it's like 25 points a game at the moment in the last six. Before the last six, they've been kind of nowhere near that average because two of the games they've hit, what is it, 41 and 42? So it's kind of a bit distorted in how much they score. I, I don't know. I, th- I think this could be where the Patriots show that, you know, maybe they're real contenders going into the playoffs. And I think this might be the kind of game for it. So I think I'm going to go against you and I'm going to take the Patriots to win and to cover. Uh, Lions at the Steelers, and the Steelers are eight and a half point favorites. So this is where the new soundbite comes in. This is the game of the week that I do not want to see a second of. <laughs> I don't think there's many, there are, there are not many compelling storylines coming out of this one. I expect the Steelers to win. I'm a little bit hesitant taking them to cover a spread as large as it is based on their performance on Monday Night Football, but the Lions are just so bad, and I think they've reached that stage where they have all well and truly given up. So I'll take the Steelers to win and the Steelers to cover, but this is not a good game. Yeah, same for me. This is where the Lions kind of stop caring, and they have already stopped caring. Um, it wasn't a great performance by the Steelers, but it doesn't bother me. They're just better. So yeah, I'll take the... Um, Steelers to win and cover. I would love to take the Lions in this. <laughs> I, yeah, I, the Steelers are the better team here. They will win, but I will take the Lions to cover. Coming off a bye, getting embarrassed against the Eagles, going into Pittsburgh with nothing to lose. I think the Steelers' offense just isn't that great. And they can be held to some points and kind of keeping it close. And maybe there's a nice backdoor score with a minute to go to bring it down into the spread. So I'm going to go with the Lions here on the spread. You should admire the fact that I have just bitten my tongue, probably chewed it off in the process and not made a joke about the backdoor score. So (laughs) we'll just leave it there and move on. (laughs) Uh, the Jaguars at the Colts, and the Colts are ten and a half point favorites. I'll be quick taking the Colts. I think they are one of those teams that's pretty efficient at beating bad teams. I think the Jags last week's win did nothing to change my opinion on them, based on the fact that they still only managed to score nine points. So, take the Colts to win. Colts to cover. Yeah, I've got I've got no issues taking the Colts here with the points. Initially, when I saw it, I thought it was a bit strong uh, or a bit too bit too much of a line really in the Colts' favor. But the more I thought about it, the more it was like you know the Jags only scored nine. It was their best performance of the season, probably by a mile, and it needed that to beat the Bills, you know, by three, and it needed the Bills to do terribly on offense to do it as well. I think the Colts will score here, and I don't think the Jags can keep up. So the ten looked better as I thought about it. So yeah, I'll take the Colts into cover. I'll take the Colts and I'll take the Colts to cover. I'll just give you a few stats. Colts are six and three against the spread this year. Jags have only scored 16 points now in two games combined. Not a very good number. And eight of their 10 losses, last 10 losses, have been by at least 12 points. So if they're going to lose, there's an 80% chance they're losing by more than 12 points. So I'll take the Colts. All right, next up, interesting matchup. The Saints at the Titans. Titans are three-point favorites. Titans starting to show they can do it without Henry. And 
you know, they've got AJ Brown, they've got Julio Jones to kind of keep things rolling, or is anyone taking the Saints defense here with that three-point line? I don't believe in either of these teams. I will backtrack and say that the Titans are no longer garbage can adjacent. They are, they're kind of safe, but I don't believe in either of these teams, but I, uh, I'm going to take the Saints to win. And obviously with the three points, I just can't buy into this Titans team not being able to miss a beat without the player that defined their offense. And yes, they looked good last week, but I want to see them do it a couple times in a row before I really believe in them. So I don't think the Saints team is very good, but I, I'll take them in this, this week. You'll take Trevor Simeon? Yeah. Wow. This week. Okay. I will disagree. <laughs> I think the Titans are a very good team and Henry is a loss, but I still think their offense has enough firepower and enough talent to still put up a good amount of points and their defense. While they do let up a good amount of yards, they are very opportunistic. They hold teams once they get to the red zone to field goals, which is always good. And they get a lot of turnovers and they get a lot of pressures. So I think the same thing's going to happen here. The Saints are going to be under a lot of pressure. I can see the Saints turning the ball over two, three, four times even. I'll take the Titans to win and Titans to cover. Yeah, I'm with Frank. I think the Titans are becoming the real deal because the five wins they've had in a row have been against kind of really good opposition. Good opposition. A combination of good and really good opposition. So Four. four. Their four last. The, yeah, their fifth last four. win was the Jaguars. <laughs> Well, you know, they're, they're beating good opposition themselves, right? Um, I think Kamara's got a bit of a knee problem as well. So I, I didn't see whether he was actually starting or not, but that just makes it even hard, harder for the Saints. So I'm taking the Titans and the points here. Uh, the Bucks at Washington, and the Bucks are nine and a half point favorites. The last time the Bucks came off a bye, they absolutely cruised to the Super Bowl, winning basically every six every single game, dominating most of them. Are we going to see that again with the Bucks? I don't know if we'll see that, but I certainly think the Bucks were one of those teams who, in spite of the fact that they didn't play last week, looked better as a result of it just because every other team showed some sign of weakness. So I also have to remember they're coming off a loss, right? So they've had that time to gather themselves. Washington, just a bad team. So, taking Tampa Bay to win, Tampa Bay to cover. Washington also coming off a bye, I believe, but... but that doesn't matter. I know. No, I know. That's yeah, what I was going to say. Unless, for, for a team like Washington, during, it doesn't matter. <laughs> unless during that bye, they managed to get 53 new players, I don't really care that they had the week off. Yeah, I think when you give Brady a week off after a, a bad loss amplifies that even more so i think the bucks will win the bucks will cover their last six games when they've had more than a week to prepare they're now six and oh and the average scoring margin is 36 to 16 so they're winning by 20 points i think then that this is a fair spread and i'll take the bucks to win and to cover yeah, nothing really to add. I mean, even by NFC standards, this Washington team's pretty mediocre. So I, I think it's an easy win for the Bucks. So I'll take them to win in cover. Uh, Panthers at the Cardinals, and the Cardinals are 10.5-point favorites. I guess 
you know, there's just some quarterback question marks in this game now, a little bit on both sides. I'm going to assume we're going to see Kyler Murray back. I don't know whether or not Cam Newton will play. He's obviously signed in time to be available for Sunday. I guess the plan is that he will. But this Panthers team just isn't good. Christian McCaffrey, I've got the rule. He's not going to be fully involved in this game. So I'll take the Cardinals to win, and I'll take the Cardinals to cover. Yeah, I got nothing to add. Uh, they they did it against the Niners without Murray. Um, they do it even better when he's got Murray, and they've I, they've got Murray back. And um, yeah, I think that's an easy one for the Cards. So I'll take them to win and cover. Well, Murray hasn't practiced at all yet this week, and neither has Hopkins. And I am, if they're smart, I think they just rest them both, because you're playing against a Panthers team that's not that great. They're not in your division, and I don't know if Cam's going to start, and if he doesn't, you're looking against P.J. Walker. So last week they looked pretty good with Colt McCoy back there. Their offense still put up a really good amount of points. I think regardless of who plays, I would take the cards to win and the cards to cover, and if Murray and or Hopkins play, I think then you're sitting with some some points in your pocket there because that spread will change once if they are confirmed. But I would I would think that they are okay with resting them, looking at a little big picture here. But who knows? I still think they can they can outduel the Carolina Panthers, no problem. Uh, Vikings at the Chargers. Chargers are three point favorites. I, I think for me, both these teams feel kind of pretty inconsistent and sometimes pretty hard to figure out. You don't know which one of them is going to turn up, especially the Vikings. Um, one thing you can usually guarantee is it's going to overtime. Um, whenever the Vikings are involved. So I still have that feeling that it's going to be close. <laughs> Good timing. I was kind of <laughs> kind of brought it in. I love I that of, you can't even hear uh, what he says after it. <laughs> <laughs> Everything else is irrelevant. It's just that moment. Um, yeah, I, I, I've got a feeling about the Vikings. <laughs> So you're taking the Vikings, just to be clear, because that might have drowned out. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, I'm taking the Vikings. I'm going to agree with you. I don't know. I think this is just a toss-up. You don't know which version of either of these teams is really going to turn up on any given week. And I I think the Vikings are better. So I'm, I'm taking the Vikings to win. That's simple. I'm going to go against both of you guys here. I'll, I'm going to go with the Chargers. Herbert coming off Offensive Player of the Week last week. Um, Vikings, I think, have a lot of COVID issues right now. Five or six players are on the COVID list. I think the Chargers are the better team here. And I, you know, I've always said I can never trust the Vikings. I do think they are a talented squad, but you can never trust them week in and week out. So I will stick with the Chargers here to win and to cover. All right, Eagles at the Broncos. Broncos two and a half point favorites after their demolition job against the Cowboys. Um, sticking with the Broncos? No, this feels like an overreaction to me to their performance last week. I think the Eagles are actually the better team, and so I'm going to take the Eagles to win. And I'm going to take the Eagles with the points. I would have liked it if this was three, three and a half. It would just be nice to have that field goal in your pocket. The fact that it's only two and a half, so you do feel as if. You're kind of taking them straight up both ways isn't ideal. 
but yeah, I think I'm not I'm not going to believe in the version of the Broncos I saw last week. Do you think there's any chance of them winning the AFC West? Because they're in this kind of unlikely position where they no. could, but it... yeah, it's not in, it's not inconceivable because they are all beating each other and losing to other teams. So it's sort of in their own hands to a degree. I mean, if they can run the table, then yeah, they'll win the division. But no, I I, I think that I think the Chiefs amazingly enough are probably going to end up winning that division just because the Raiders are in full self-destruct mode. The Chargers are so inconsistent and the Broncos are kind of bad. And so I think the Chiefs will end up getting there. It will be really ugly, but they'll get there. But no, I don't I don't think the Broncos really have a chance of winning the division. This is a tough one. I don't think either team is good. So that obviously makes it a, a more difficult pick. I will say the Eagles have looked better recently, mostly because they're finally starting to run the ball again. So their last three games, they've run rushed for 135, 220, and 170. So I think getting the running game going and giving Jalen Hurts some relief in the in the backfield and not having to carry this team really helps and uh, take some of that pressure off. What worries me is that the Broncos did shut down the Cowboys run game last week, and they have, I think, probably the best run game in the NFC. But I still don't. I just cannot trust the Broncos. I do not think they're good. I will take the Eagles in the upset here and the Eagles to with the points. Yeah, and I think kind of clean sweep on the um, the kind of upset here. Well, two and a half point upset. But yeah, I'm going with the Eagles. I, I think Hurts and like, Devonta Smith actually, you know, had a pretty good kind of connection last time out. And this Broncos team, I just don't like. And the fact that this, they came off such a good win over the Cowboys, I just think it'll all come crashing down this time out. So yeah, I'm taking the Eagles into cover as well. Uh, Seahawks at the Packers and the Packers are three and a half point favorites. I did see that OBJ almost went to the Packers. So you almost had Rogers thrown to OBJ. Did you see as well that he got fined? What was it, fourteen thousand dollars for his COVID violation? Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, which is. I mean, that's borderline. Did you see pathetic the CD and Lamb? Just do it now. Did you see CD Lamb's see reaction? Lamb so no, he got fined. Uh, he has like a non-jersey tuck issue. <laughs> oh yeah, he got fined twenty thousand dollars for not having his jersey tucked in. Yes, it was a second offense, but still, a second offense for not tucking a jersey was was more than Rogers not following COVID protocols, which is like the one thing the NFL pushed heavily on. Yeah, it's it's a little bit ridiculous. Obviously, the assumption here going into this game is that Rogers is back and that Russell Wilson is back. Russell Wilson's coming off the IR this week the Seahawks didn't have to declare whether or not he was how involved he was in practice, but Pete Carroll has come out anyway and said that he has been fully involved, that he has no need to wear anything on his hand unless he wants to, and that he has looked better than ever in practice this week. I think, and so this, this, this line though seems way too close to me. The, I think people, Russell Wilson being out, Maybe people forgot how bad the Seahawks looked when Russell Wilson was in. And I think the Packers have consistently, week one aside, looked good as long as Aaron Rodgers is there. So 
I'm taking the Packers to win it and the Packers to cover. I think this line should be two or three points higher. I fully agree with everything you said. I don't get it. I'll take the Packers to win here and the Packers to cover. I really want to take the Seahawks, though, because I just feel like Aaron Rodgers is kind of expanding this kind of like hate group because of what's happening with like the COVID stuff with only getting fined like 14 grand. I just I just dislike them more because of it. So I tried to think of reasons why. But the thing is, even though the Seahawks defense getting what seems to be a little bit better, they're kind of um, allowing much less points. Wilson may make them better because of that, but not first time out, especially as you say, when Rogers is in the the Packers play well. So it does seem like a bit of a weird line, even if I want to take the Seahawks, but I just can't at that kind of line. So I'll take the Packers to win and cover as well. I mean, don't get me wrong. Russell Wilson's going to make them better. It's just, I think people see Russell Wilson coming back and then they're imagining the version of the Seahawks that existed a few years ago where Russell Wilson's back. Their offense is really good. Their defense is really good. Oh, suddenly they're as good as almost any team in the league. And the reality is at the beginning of the season, they were pretty bad. And they'll be better without Russell Wilson, but the Packers are one of the best teams in the league so far this season. So why do I think that the Seahawks, who are mediocre, can keep pace with one of the best teams with assuming that there's no knock-on effect from uh, Rodgers' COVID I mean, that's the question mark, right? There's always a risk that he's not really feeling 100%. But the reverse is maybe he's pretty well rested. And so him coming off what is effectively a buy for him, if he had no real adverse effects from, from having the virus, then yeah, it just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, the Seahawks with Russell Wilson were 2-3 and three this year. Uh, granted, that was their losses are the Titans, the Vikings, and the Rams, which are all... Th- quality opponents they're not you're right they're not the team that they were two three years ago i think they are an average team a 500 level team and i don't think a 500 level team can beat the green bay packers with a healthy aaron Rodgers. so um raiders at the chiefs and the chiefs are two and a half point favorites so you've got what Chiefs have won three out of the last four. Uh, the the kind of blowout loss to the Titans was a pretty bad one, but are they starting to stabilize a little bit more than they were? Is this, you know, against the free-falling Raiders, is two and a half hour ahead actually a pretty nice spread to take? This is the one that confuses, confuse the bad word, tricks me up the most because if the Raiders were the full Raiders team that was clicking earlier in this year and they hadn't had all these issues and hadn't just lost to the Giants, I think you easily take the Raiders here. The Chiefs have won two of their last three and they haven't looked good in any of those games. Uh, Mahomes, you could argue, is playing the worst football of his career. Like it's It's not as if he's starting to get better. I think he's getting worse as this season is going. I mean, his stat line last week was awful. It was not even close to a good stat line, but I don't know. Not to, did you hear Aaron Rodgers speaking about Patrick Mahomes' struggles on the Pat McAfee podcast? No, I thought it was interesting. <laughs> no, he was saying how as a quarterback, it is entirely possible to sort of get the yips and to stop believing in yourself, and that similar to being a golfer, all it can take to fix that sometimes is one good game or one good drive. Or every once in a while, it's just one good throw. So it's hard to 
the way he reacted when he made that final throw to to I sort of kill the game off against the Packers on on Sunday, that kind of felt as if it could have been a turning point in the season. But I'll let you finish, Frank. But I also I'm entirely in your camp, and I feel like I've had that same thought run to run through my mind nine times so far this season. Yeah, and you're right. Maybe that was. I mean, it was a good play. Maybe that is the turning point for him. I mean, I know the team has turned it around one, three out of the last four, but he still has not been the player he normally is. When you look at the fact that they both played the Giants in the past two weeks, neither of them looked good against the Giants. So that makes it even harder because you could have argued the Chiefs should have lost that game, that the Giants blew that game. So I think the issues with the Raiders are starting to catch up with them especially losing rugs is a tough one because he was such a good deep threat that any play out there, he might just be gone for seven in the same way that Tyreek Hill was when the chiefs were at their best without that. I think their deep ball threat is severely diminished and that offense then isn't as explosive. I will take the chiefs here. I, I not with a lot of confidence, I hope they start to come through, and I hope Mahomes picks it back up because I like when Mahomes does well. It's fun to watch. But I think the Raiders are starting to drop, and the Chiefs might finally be starting to pull it together. Yeah, I I don't know whether the Chiefs are pulling it together, but I do agree with you that just the, the cumulative impact of all of these incidents that are affecting the Raiders, many of which are tragic, are are just starting starting to add up and i'm gonna take the chiefs i don't like it but i just find it difficult to not take them and yeah i'm I'm taking them to win and to cover is that a feeling eddie it's not a feeling it's oh God. I wish I had the drop for more than a feeling, but it's, uh, <laughs> you got to kill up Boston next time out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, it's it's not just a feeling. No. Yeah, it. This was difficult, but um, I, I kind of disagree. Uh, sorry, I kind of agree. Actually, I do the opposite. I agree with the way you two thought about it. Is that for the sum of all its parts, the Raiders as a football team just feels like it's way more on a downfall. Whereas winning three of the last four, granted unconvincingly, granted Mahomes is almost certainly a turnover a game kind of person at the moment. If they just tightened up that tiny part of this, the two and a half feels better. So yeah, I'm taking them to win and cover as well. And then last up is the Rams at the uh, 49ers and the Rams are four point favorites. Can we look past the, well, both well, both their blips, would you say? You know, the Rams definitely a big blip. 49ers, did they have the opportunity with the cards without Murray? Or I'll take this one. This is another spread that I don't get. How this isn't double digits is crazy to me. <laughs> no, I... I'll agree with you that I think the spread should be higher. I think double digits might be a little yeah. excessive, but I do think that it should be in the six point. Range. And I thought, I think I saw Kittle is back on the injury report. He's back to being questionable. So I don't know. Um, I know he had a good game last game when he was finally back, but I don't know if he re-injured something there. Regardless of that, I just think the firepower for the Rams is too much. And 
Eddie will get his wish that Jimmy Garoppolo won't have all day to sit back there and throw because the Rams defense will be all over him. So maybe that will play into his benefit, according to the Eddie philosophy of Jimmy, Jimmy G. I don't think that's going to be the case. I will take the Rams to win here and the Rams to cover. Yeah, I, I still think the Rams are, are probably the best team in the NFL. So I'm going to take them to win and to cover. Don't be surprised if the Niners keep this closer maybe than you think they do just because they have a tendency when people start to to rule them out of putting in a good performance and sort of maintaining the Jimmy Garoppolo era as a result of that. So coming off such an atrocious performance against Colt McCoy and the Cardinals, it wouldn't surprise me if suddenly you have Shanahan dialing up some really creative offensive play calling and hitting the Rams on a lot of screens and suddenly people talking about how the Niners' problems might be behind them with some of the injuries coming back. But no, I think you know the Rams, arguably the, arguably the best team in the league. I'll take them to win, take them to cover. Yeah, I, I, I think both teams, you know, they've got implications for losing this one ultimately, so they'll be pretty desperate for winning. My edge goes to the better team, so I agree with you. I think the four points is a little bit uh, generous to the Rams, considering it's a bit more of a correction to last time out. So yeah, it's quite... I'll take the Rams into cover. Well, other news. I mean, it's been a kind of slow sports week in some respects, because obviously it's been an international break in football. Don't know if you saw, the only thing that interested me is they... The Premier League announced today what the revised schedule will be yeah, next season. I did see it. With the obviously the mid-season World Cup in Qatar taking place. So this time next year, clubs will be going on an international break that will then last. So as of, I think, 14th of November, that then lasts until Boxing Day, which the interesting part of that is that that is only a week after the FA, the World Cup final will be played. So teams could be significantly impacted if they have a number of players involved deep into the tournament. I mean, you can argue that almost every England player is still struggling to kind of recover from the Euros. Almost every one of them is having some kind of Euro hangover in one way or another. Whether or not you want to attribute that solely to the summer of football is is maybe debatable, but certainly there are a lot of players having down seasons. But now, starting a week earlier, ending then I think at the end of May. But yeah, this time next season, we'll next time next year, we'll be preparing for a World Cup, which feels very weird to say. Yeah, it's it's almost like they didn't think about it when they awarded Qatar the World Cup all those time, all those months ago. I only saw the the kind of like starting at the start of August, you know, and finishing about now, restarting at Boxing Day. Are they doing anything with like the League Cup, FA Cup? The FA Cup final will still be a standalone fixture that comes at the end of the season. So they made a point of saying that the FA Cup final will not be sort of packed into a week when other fixtures are taking place. There's a reduced number of midweek fixtures in the Premier League, so there will only be three midweek fixtures over the course of the season, and then one one Bank Holiday Day fixture. So overall, fewer midweek games. Uh, So a longer season in terms of calendar length, obviously not in terms of number of fixtures, but no other changes as far as I'm aware in terms of sort of involvement in the League Cup, the FA Cup. I think it won't be, it won't be surprising if we see teams... I mean, there was the season, right, when Manchester United didn't take part in the League Cup. That happened, right? Didn't it one year when they were headed, when they went to play Club in the World. Club World Championship? It was, them or then... li- was it Liverpool when they had to field like their youth team against like Wickham? 
that was Liverpool when they it was like two days before they were supposed to play in the, in the but I think United actually just sat the League Cup out they just didn't enter the League Cup one season uh, I don't think that will ever happen again because you'll just have teams doing what Liverpool did and just fielding youth teams and reserve teams but I do think we'll see a lot more teams treating cup competitions as sort of total secondary concerns yeah it doesn't affect anything else though does it like champions league would always have this break anyway right because they don't play during december january and then they restart february still be an easy still be an earlier break for the champions league if you think we still have champions league football oh, got one or two games to be yeah we still got one one round can't remember but i think two rounds i think yeah it, so it they will have had to have played two rounds of champions league fixtures earlier which means for teams qualifying, they obviously then, that must mean they're starting the Champions League earlier, which means the qualification for the Champions League, which already starts, what, beginning of July? In June. For some teams. I mean, might be before the season's even over. <laughs> yeah. You're going to have all the Irish teams coming back like two weeks after the FA Cup final, going into games against Aberdeen or Glentoran or something. It's, it, it's, I mean, it's been a crazy like two or three years, right, with COVID. And then the way the Euros was played and now a World Cup being in the winter, it's, um, I, I tell you what, squad depth is going to matter more and more as, as it kind of goes through. And it's definitely going to matter for next year, um, especially as things are going to be more crunched into the start of August. But yeah, let's see it. Speaking of um, speaking of World Cups, you kept abreast of the cricket action. So we have both the semi-finals, as you say, slow sport week, but um, good example of England uh, shitting the bed, and good example of um, Wade kind of smashing through it. Yeah, I think we saw two games that on paper looked very very similar, which is in both instances Pakistan and England as teams defending uh, what I would have described as par totals on those pitches looked in control with four or five overs to go. And I think, you know, Frank and I discussed this off the podcast, but I think very different ways of losing the game. I think Pakistan's bowling was not spectacular down the stretch, but fundamentally that was just great hitting from the Australians. Whereas England's bowling was at the death, particularly obviously the Wokes, the the Chris Jordan over that went for 22. Yeah, 22. And, and then the Wokes over that lost the game. Uh, those were awful. And it was just interesting to me because I think the thing that has defined, I mean, Owen Morgan might be the best captain in limited overs cricket in the world. I think he proves that with England. He proves that when he goes and plays in the IPL, his field settings are always so good. The way he speaks to the bowlers and gets them to bowl to a plan is so, so good. And it feels like they just didn't have a plan for the final few overs against New Zealand. And the bowlers, if there was a plan there, I can't imagine that it was just bowl everything short of a length and let them play cross-batted shots towards shorter boundaries. That seems unbelievable. When you contrast that to what New Zealand did in the final few overs of England's innings, where they were able to, to each individual batsman, bowl to a very specific plan to sort of play out their weakness, it's just surprising because, you know, Owen Morgan, the Owen Morgan captaincy has been defined by making good decisions. And this is the probably the first and perhaps only blip he's going to have as, as captain. Yeah. So any any thoughts on the final? Well, I was going to ask, 
Eddie, would how would you have handled that? Would you have saved one of one of the better bowlers for the end there instead of putting Jordan in that situation? So Chris Jordan historically is one of the best death bowlers in world cricket. So and he had two overs to go, right? So the plan obviously was that he was going to bowl the final over. So I think the use of the only thing I would have maybe questioned was the saving Adil Rashid's final over for sort of three from the end. And I would have tried to push the spin. I always think you want to use the spin option in those middle overs when the run rate is slowing and you get new batsmen coming in and you have that ability to very quickly push through overs. Cause I think that's, you can crank up the pressure when a spin bowler gets through an over in sort of 90 seconds and you almost don't give the batting time, the batting side time to think. And all of a sudden they've only got, you know, they're going, they need to get 12 and over and they've only got seven off of it. And the calculation just kind of gets bigger and bigger. So I think the use of Adil, Adil Rashid there is the one I would question. I mean, Chris Jordan just kind of lost the plot. And it was, you could tell, and the commentators talked about it during the match, you could tell with Joss Butler's reaction behind the stumps. He had the one moment when, uh, wide was bold and he just threw the ball away after it with kind of total disdain and you could kind of see from the England players body language they could feel it slipping away which again is something Owen Morgan you know he is the sort of definition of calm he is emotionless pretty much I mean and it is surprising to have seen them, the wheels come off in that manner because they were cruising in that match. Yeah, they really yeah. were. Oh, I, mean, I mean, with six overs to go, they were in total. Control. Yeah, you're looking at they went. I think it was like a wicket and in the like one over, and then the next one they held they held them like ten, and then the next one they got another wicket, and then Jordan popped up, and you were like, oh, okay, now you know you're looking at last two over, last three overs, you got two wickets. They're they're getting down and out, and then it was it was that first six. The six off the first ball, I think it was a panic moment there, and that just like you said, he had he just lost the plot. He I think he had what two wides right after like the, out of the next two balls or three balls were like yeah. two wide, and then it was just it was done. It was a mess. It, and and you can't have the extras. You just can't. No. You know you can't. And even the commentator said no that. You know, and, like and that's wise. what England is usually so good about and and preaches so much is that you'd never want to give an extra ball like that's i mean it's the most pointless thing you can do is give an extra ball you know like yeah and yeah to give two and one over is not good <laughs> that that I deep mean, into it i mean some credit to nisham right because he you know he, he it was good batting but ultimately it was england's own fault for giving him the opportunity to hit all these short balls right you didn't set the field if you want to yeah, do I mean, it if you want to bowl short set the field to adjust for the short ball but they just did it just felt like they were almost all free hits not only the extras but every length that they were bowling were just free toss-ups and it just didn't it didn't make sense, but you know what? Fair play to Nisham in like a pressure scenario for actually stepping up. What was it? They needed 57 off 24 at one point. So it kind of goes to show you what. Which, but again, to me, it's just, you look at how, you know, you had Liam Livingston come in and play for, and Liam Livingston had a great game with bat and ball. But at the death against Liam Livingston, everyone knows how you bowl to Liam Livingston, which is you don't bowl in his arc. You bowl, you, you know, you bowl the ball wide and it doesn't let him swing through it. And New Zealand bowled to that plan. 
And eventually he, you know, in an attempt to still sort of force the pace, hit it straight to a fielder on the boundary. That was a, a clear plan that they had to Liam Livingston. And not like they're the first ones to have discovered that. But the England, and I don't understand in this T20 World Cup, why has the full wide Yorker gone out of fashion? That seemed like for years, at the death, that's what you bowl. You set your field so you know that they're going to have players hitting into the offside, and you just pitch it full, sort of on the verge of being a wide, and just say, there's not a lot you can do with this, even if you connect. Like, maybe you can get a four. You're probably almost certainly not going to be able to get a six from this. And the risk there is you do get the odd wide, but I'm fine with someone bowling a wide when it seems like that's the plan. The fact that Chris Jordan was bowling wides down the leg side, that's where it gets a bit painful. But uh, it, it just it's surprising and disappointing because, and look, I think New Zealand winning the World Cup would be great. And it shows so much class. I mean, they showed class when they lost to England in the 50-over World Cup. And they showed class. I mean, they turned down a single at a point when that match was still sort of finely poised because the feeling was that they may have gotten Adil Rashid's way. I don't think you see any other team turn that single down. And so, I mean, all credit to them. They're just a classy team from top to bottom. Yeah. And I hope they win the final. It's an interesting one, obviously, because it's such a big rivalry in New Zealand, Australia. At the same time, it feels as if Pakistan and England were the best two teams in this tournament. So to have neither one of them involved in the final is, is a little bit of a letdown, but could be a great final. Yeah, for sure. Definitely rooting for New Zealand. And and I, I know the kind of test series final was a new concept, but, you know, New Zealand have played the last three finals in all three formats. So they're a really good outfit across all of the um the different balls like white ball orange ball so um no I'll, I'll be rooting for new zealand in that game and i think the way england blew australia apart you're right i think pakistan were the other good team in that one so i, I obviously i would have been rooting for england but i'm rooting for new zealand yeah i think i think new zealand are a consistently underrated side in cricket i think for whatever reason just because they don't have players with a lot of flash or ego I think they sort of get overlooked. You sort of, you know, I mean, not that Kane Williamson necessarily plays a crucial role in their T20 style of play, but he sort of epitomizes that efficiency, but without any sort of catching your eye in any way. And so they are criminally underrated. Their bowling attack is very, very good. And they have players capable of putting up good scores and they bat long. This Australian time aside feels not to be great to me, and they are reliant on, they have two or three batsmen who can do a ton of damage, and if they don't, they can get in big trouble really fast. This feels like a World Cup final that could be over in a, in a heartbeat if things go badly for Australia, in the same way that they went badly against England. I could see a scenario where Australia are all out for 90, batting first. And in, and the final itself is just an anticlimax. At the same time, they do have a team capable of chasing down two hundred if Warner bats for fifteen overs. But yeah, I, I hope New Zealand win. They seem like a genuinely nice group of people. Speaking of um, England losing, so that got my bet of the week down uh, last week. So that was one of them, and I think. Uh, Eddie's probably got the information, but I think we all lost. But good opportunity to maybe go on to we our did. choices. 
I lost? What do you think you won on? Yeah, you had Cowboys against the spread. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> so that one wasn't close. What an aberration. I, I had that one. I forgot I had that. Aside from that, you won. Yeah. But yeah, you had Cowboys against the spread. I did forget um, I had Cowboys. Uh, yeah. A one final note, I will say. I know when we came into 2021, we did our sort of predictions for the year, right? And Sam, your prediction, we discussed this (laughs) on the Stag Do Bachelor Party. Your prediction was that England were going to have a really, really good year across sports. And we sort of debated that whether or not this was true going into the Cricket World Cup. I was of the opinion that if England won the, the T20 World Cup, that you were probably on course for a push. Or no, I would say I, them losing in the semi. I would say they would have at least made the finals. If they make the finals in both I, the the football World Cup and the cricket World Cup, then he's at a push. He hasn't won it. No, he's because, at a push. So you have to factor in. You have to factor in. He included the Six Nations. England had an awful Six Nations. So yeah, they've had a good Euros, but they came into the Euros as third favorites for the tournament, and they made the final. So. Whilst it was the first time in a long time, you and you could kind of argue, particularly with the path that they had to the final, that that was almost a to-par performance for them. And then they came into the T20 World Cup as one of the favorites. I think most people would agree, probably the best team in the world. The question was just whether or not the pitches and the conditions would suit. And given the fact that the the other team most people expected to be up there being India completely fell apart in the group stages. You know, England at that point were favorites. I'd say them losing in the semifinals, particularly losing to New Zealand, is a below-par performance then. So I would say you have two below-par par tournaments. And then if you wanted to maybe try and get to the push, the argument could be that Great Britain had a, had a good Olympics. But that's not England alone, and I don't think that was really included in the original discussion. So I would say it... it it didn't lose by a lot, but in the end, it lost. But yeah, better the weeks. We all lost last week, so I'm now down to ninety thousand. Uh, Sam, things are starting to look a little bit desperate for you. You're down to twenty thousand, and uh, Frank, you're down to fifty-eight thousand. So, Sam, we're gonna have to introduce the rules that we did with with Frank last year, where I think your your maximum bet at this point has to be about five. No, no, no. That wasn't Frank Just... last year. That was him last year. <laughs> was it wasn't me again. Him last it wasn't year. Also yes. Oh no, but I got I got a loan. I got a loan last time if I remember. Yes. Oh, yeah, you got it a loan. Me. I it was that. him. <laughs> All right. Okay. So yeah, we the maximum bet is back in place. I think it's gotta be capped at around five thousand right. now. I'll do five K. Okay. Um, I'll go first time. So I'm, I'm going <laughs> to stay away from cricket just because there's only one game and I just stick with the NFL. So I'm going to go for the um, Ravens money line, Bills money line, Steelers money line, and the Bucks against the spread. And it pays 2.45 to one. And I'll put 5K on it. I'm going to put on the most me bet imaginable, which is just throwing in all of the heavy favorites into a money line accumulator. It's very on brand for me. And I just gonna hope that the sequence of upsets in the NFL has come to an end. So I'm gonna do the Bills money line, the Cowboys money line, the Steelers money line, the Colts money line, and the Buccaneers money line. And that pays two point six two, and I'm gonna do twenty thousand on that. 
All right, I'm going to go 10,000, and I'm actually going to go with the cricket, and I'm going to take Australia to win the T20 championship. So they've won three out of the last four against New Zealand in T20s, and all of those were without Warner. So I think with the addition of him in there in that lineup, I think it's just too much, and I think I think they're going to put up a, a high enough score uh, to beat New Zealand there. So I'm going to take Australia. They are favored. Um, and then I'm going to go with the spread because that's been, I guess, my best predictions this year. And I'm going to go the Browns with the points, the Titans against the points, and the Falcons with the points. So a four-way parlay. And that pays 10.7. Your stake, sir? I said 10,000. You little bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Surprised you don't have a soundbite for that. You could do the home alone, you filthy animal. Yeah, we we need, again, I'll ask for some suggestions. We need a soundbite for for Frank. We kind of got a soundbite now for, for me and for Sam each week for the NFL picks. But we are yet to discover what Frank's soundbite will be. All right. Well, I look forward to seeing what people suggest. <laughs> it might not be very flattering, but <laughs> I'll take it in stride. Except if it's from Ollie, uh, he can go fuck himself. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> now you're definitely not going to get a favorable suggestion from him. <laughs> but Jake might give me one then. I think you'll probably get a suggestion from both of them, but you're definitely not going to get a nice one from Ollie. So (laughs) you have to hope that I now don't find Ollie's suggestion amusing, no matter how unpleasant (laughs) it is, because it might find its way into an episode next week. Oh, by next week, he's not fast enough. We already know that. He's already lost one race. It's going to take him a few weeks to get you that. (laughs) Oh, another (laughs) shot at him. Okay, interesting. Uh, You're just really trying to make sure something awful gets suggested. For I'm you. just, I'm just trying to push his buttons. Heard that can be by effective telling, by telling him to go fuck himself. <laughs> I mean, that's gonna push. <laughs> it's gonna push most people's buttons. There's nothing kind of subtle. It's very, there's nothing subtle about what yeah, you're doing. Super subtle. Well, I mean, that's as far as I go. I wouldn't, you know, call him anything vulgar, like a c word or anything. oh dear (laughs) alright well talk to you boys later see ya cheerio